On this episode of Grow With Tim, we're going to not just be talking about growing yourself as a business owner, entrepreneur, or as a person, but growing the people around you. It's time to grow your team. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Grow With Tim podcast with Jay Do and Tim Joyner. We are so excited to have you back and we're expanding this operation to not just you, but everybody around you. Tim, you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about not just the person, but the team around them, the yeah. employees, the staff, the uh, new hires, the approaches to trusting the people around you to come with you on your growth journey. Can't wait to talk about it. We've been warming up here, laughing a lot, and I'm really excited to uh, kind of get your main points on this idea. Yes. How did it start with you? Yeah. Somebody said that if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go with the team. Right. And it, certainly there's a lot of things that solopreneurs can do, but if you want to change the world or if you want to create something larger than yourself, you're going to have to have a team. Some of our listeners already have big teams. I right. think we've got some good stuff for them as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about growing your team. That means how to recruit and hire. Okay. It means how to engage. It means how to align, how to develop leaders, how to grow, not just numerically, but like qualitatively and quantitatively, let's talk about growing your team today. Now, is it a hard topic for you to think back on? Would you have been bigger and better, have more growth personally if you started that journey earlier? On earlier episodes, yeah. you talked about being a solopreneur yeah. until that MBA class yeah. kind of expanded your mind. Yeah. So was it at that point where you thought maybe it's not just for me, but I should grow a bigger organization or? Yeah, you allude to that. I've talked about that before, but I, I had a class in the MBA and it was the whole class was this capstone project where we had to raise $10 million in this, you know, road show with investors and you have to have a business plan, a marketing plan, whatever, and build this, this company. And after I did that, I was like, man, all, all my life, I've thought I was going to be self-employed. Right. I'm going to create a job for myself, maybe have an assistant or a few helpers or something. But, be, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of hours. It's, and it's not really any harder to build something much larger than myself. Why wouldn't I do that? So that was a major turning point for me. And yes, I absolutely, I wish I had figured that out sooner. And even now, like the way that I in building teams now, if I had the confidence and the skills to do this 10 or 20 years ago, I'd be right. a lot farther along. Yeah. Right? So when I think about this in my life, so I have traditionally been a solopreneur type of guy. And just really since COVID, I've been able to expand some operations and some of them were forced upon us, yep. right? Because COVID changed the world and changed the way a lot of us were doing business. But Tim, I feel the same way, man, because having the skill set that I have, which is speaking, entertaining, yep. and being in front of people. And that's where I've been able to make money yep. in my adult career. That's a solo deal. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's me. Like, I'm well, a one it's man solo show, on so, stage, but there's yeah. a whole bunch, of, there's a whole supporting cast. Well, that's what cast, I started right? to realize, yeah. right? And I said, you know what? There's an operations model here that can allow me to do even what I do on stage by myself. And of course, I have several business operations now. But uh, traditionally, just me yep. with a microphone, slinging t-shirts or yep. speaking as Martin Luther King or something like that. And I, like you, I wasn't mature enough to even understand, you know, if there's a operations person, if there is um, a sales, sales person, right? Yeah. That's kind of how it started, really. Yeah. If there's someone else kind of selling the show and there's marketing packaging that. Yep. I could do what I do better and grow bigger and better. Yeah. So I feel like I am still 
some of our listeners remember that we share and we opened up this podcast on our birthday and I'm yeah, a year right. younger than you. And uh, I'll be honest, sometimes I have to cry into my pillow at night and think, you know what? <laughs> I'm so many years behind Tim, even though I'm only one year behind Tim, if you know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> Well, so let's talk today about really the whole life cycle of building a team, mm -hmm. right? In the beginning, you've got to figure out how to recruit. And when you're recruiting your first employee, it's radically different from when you're recording, re recruiting employee number 100 or 1,000 or whatever, right? So we'll talk a little bit about that. But then let's talk about how do we engage that employee and get alignment across a whole team? How do we retain that employee? Right. Yep. Um, and how do we develop leaders, both bringing them in from the outside, but also developing my emerging leaders? So so let's start at the top. Let's talk about hiring. So you've hired some people. I have. So how has that gone for you? Well, I'll be honest that I never read any book on it. Mm -hmm. I was actually my first big boy job out of college was in a management role. So I was already had the authority yep. to recruit, find yep. some folks. Yeah. Let them go if needed. And I had no clue, right? No clue. Same here. Yeah. Nothing at all. And, um, it was, even to the point where there's no job description, I speak and try to communicate verbally. So it was like, let me just explain yeah. what needs to happen right. around here. And I learned quickly two things in the early days that I was, I was looking for one. Do I think that they can do the job? Do they feel competent that they can yep. do the job? Yep. And second, am I going to enjoy being around them? Yep. Because it was just me yep. in some, so I can't, it, I can't be around people that don't like me or I don't right. like them or we can't work together. That's all I had. Yeah. But well, I that's did. a good start. Honestly, that's better than a lot of people when they start out. Mm -hmm. they, they sort of miss out on that second point and they hire somebody that has the skills, but then nobody can stand to be around. Yeah. Right? Or they don't know how to just match up. I like to call and they like to email. So we just don't work together yeah. well or something. So let me tell you how I started to hire. And in the beginning, I literally had a two page, uh, spreadsheet. It was printed front and back and it had a list of all the activities that I did. Okay. And it kind of like an activity inventory, which we've talked about before, but like all the functions of the company that had to be performed. And then I had two columns. One was interest and the second was ability. And I literally would bring in prospective candidates, prospective okay. employees, and I would have them give me a zero to five oh. on how interested are you in this and yes. how good are you at this? And then I would look for hot spots. I didn't have job descriptions. I okay. didn't have outcomes. Right, I don't just feel said, so bad then because <laughs> I didn't have that either. But and, I didn't have the spreadsheet. Honestly, there was some value to that spreadsheet. Okay. I still use sort of a modified form of that in certain cases. I want to find out what people are good at and what they love to do because if I can build a job around their unique ability, that that's cool. build a whole team of people that all love what they're doing and are good at what they're doing. That's great. Um, but but here was my fundamental mistake. I was hiring for skills not for outcomes. Okay. So it wasn't long before I had 10 or 15 employees that were all skilled. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where does that end up then? If they are skilled. Well, here's where there. it ends what, up. What ends Tim is really stressed out because I've got to manage everything. I've got to say, do this. Okay, boss, I'll do it. Do this. Okay, I'll do it. Uh -huh. And they could do it. But what I needed to do was to give them desired outcomes, not desired activities. I needed to say, hey, this is what needs to end up. Yeah, okay. And let them figure <laughs> out how to do it and take ownership and responsibility. So there came a point where I transitioned and instead of hiring for skills, I hired for responsibility and ownership. I, I wanted to hear in my interviews, Describe a time when you've been responsible to do X. Describe a time when you actually 
got something across the finish line and, and obviously specific to the role. Yeah. Right. But I wanted people that would be self-managing that would actually take ownership of the task, not wait for me to tell them, okay, do this now do step two. Now do step three. Mm-hmm. I want to tell them here's step 99. You figure out one through 98. Got it. I like that. And that was a, a lot. radical turn for yeah. me. Now I've learned a lot more since then, sure. but that was, I think my first, big aha moment in how I hired and build a team was don't just look at skills, look at outcomes, look for people that will own it and be responsible. Those people are hard to find. Yeah. But, okay. but the difference between an order taker who knows how to do stuff yes. and somebody who will actually take ownership and take responsibility and, and get stuff done, it's like night and day. And right. if you've got an army of people that are actually owners man, you're going to go so much farther. So Tim, I'm internalizing all this today. Ladies and gentlemen, he's just preaching to not the choir. I'm taking notes because Tim, I mentioned to you a minute ago, I think that I've got an intern type conversation, potential intern type conversation this afternoon. Yeah. By the time everybody listens to this, I want you guys to know and ask, Hey, J do, how did it work out? Yeah, because right. now I'm uh, outcomes. Yeah. Outcomes. I am a busy guy. Many of us are who listen to this podcast. We're already in the entrepreneurial space. We're thinking about our next move or next growth strategy or benchmark. And we're too busy to manage every piece. That's it. That's it. If it's like Tim Joyner and associates, that's a bad model, Mm -hmm. right? Because now all these people are looking to me to tell them what to do. Right. I want to set the, the vision and say, here's the island that we're sailing toward you help me figure out how to get there and then do your piece without me managing them. Right. Right. I want self-management. So I think that was the first thing. The second thing about hiring was the whole interview process. Okay. Early on, hit me with it, Tim. Are you listening to what I'm (laughs) saying? I need it. Okay. Give it to me for early on. I would take as many interview. I would tell people all the time. I'm not, people would hit me up and say, Hey, you know, are you, are you hiring? And I'd always tell them the same thing. I'd say, I'm not actually hiring. I don't have any open positions, but Let's meet and interview anyway for, for three reasons. One is interviewing like anything else is a skill that gets better with practice. If you're trying to get a job, every interview you take is going to be better for you. So as my gift to you, I'll interview you. But two is I don't have a lot of experience being the interviewer and same thing applies to me. I'm going to get better with practice. So let's practice on each right. other. Okay. And number three is if I find that you're a rock star that has skills that line up with the need that we have, I'll create a position for you. So there's always that chance that it's actually going to turn into something. But if nothing else, let's practice. So I did lots and lots of interviews. Okay. And one of the things that I learned along the way was how valuable behavioral interview questions are. So some of our audience may know what I mean by that. Maybe some don't. I don't want to ask describe how you would solve this problem. I want to ask how have you solved this problem? So I'm not going to say, Hey, what would you do in this situation? Because anybody can talk and make up stuff and impress you. Which I'm good at. That's what I'm good at. That's right. I am too. Yeah. So what you want to ask is tell me about a time when, Mm -hmm. and then set up this hypothetical, but Ask them to tell you a specific time when they, so for example, tell me about a time when you disagreed strongly with your boss. How did you navigate that and what was the outcome? People can't, usually they're not going to just lie about that. They can't just make up a, they're going to tell you a real story right. about a yeah, time yeah. when they disagreed with your and boss. And of course, the more specifics they're probably going to give you, the more believable That's that, right. that train of thought would be. And That's you right. understand the scenario. Tell yeah. me about a time when you were kind of put on a loose team. Maybe this even goes back to college or some other time. And you, you're, you're expected to work on a team and usually 
you know, sort of you self-select for the kind of role. One person is going to be kind of the leader, the organizer, the take charge. Okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. One person is sort of the spokesperson. Mm-hmm. One person is like the researcher, the the PowerPoint person or whatever. And describe a time when you've been thrown onto a right. team. What kind of roles do you gravitate toward, right. for example? I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. Describe a time when, because you'll get much more honest answers than if you just say, how would you approach the situation? So that was another turning point for me where I got a lot better at, right. at interviewing um, and started to figure out maybe how to make fewer hiring mistakes. Because I've, I've made a lot of hiring mistakes. Okay. Well, I want to hear about some of those too. It's not just about hiring, but now that you have team members, how do we navigate growth? Yeah. Right. So I know we've got a lot to cover. So right. let, 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 go let, ahead. So let, let's switch a little bit yep. and talk about the recruiting process because I think recruiting has changed totally for most businesses, even in the last 12 months. Agreed. Right. It used to be great resignation. And then Gary Vaynerchuk has said recently, the great never even applied in the first place. Absolutely. You guys are going to be crazy when you realize it's not just about the folks leaving jobs or trying to find something that fits their lifestyle better and their personality, but never even trying to apply in the first place. There are a lot of really talented people and you're not even on their option list, right? So that's what I think has changed. It used to be that all the power lay with the employers, right? We would just put out a job posting And people would line up to take the job. And as the interviewer, you're asking most of the questions and then you're going to give them an offer and they say, yes, I want that job. And okay, it's all very predictable. Yep. But it's not like that anymore because the people that you want to hire don't need you. Like at worst case scenario, then go drive for Uber. And and for many people, I don't think that's worst case. I ran into a guy at the grocery store the other day. Hey man, what are you doing now? Driving for Uber, man, that's probably really great for you. And he was like, yeah, it's perfect. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You you might be, I mean, you can be a YouTuber influencer, percent. You can go sell your ideas, build a course on some platform online. You can be an Amazon reseller. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that people have to make money. They don't need you as the employer anymore. They don't. So let me tell you a story. This is when my world changed about how how I try to hire. Because typically I would write a job description and I would post it on a job board somewhere, LinkedIn or, you know, zip recruiter or wherever. Yeah. Now are you the best person to be doing that role for not off? anymore, not, not anymore, anymore, but I used okay. to be, uh, okay. right. I used to be, I'm just making sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So I would, I would post this thing and then I would take interviews and sort them out and whatever. Well, I hired one time this really awesome rock star executive creative director. Okay, yeah. He w- I stole him off Madison Avenue in New York. He was oh, working big for boys. big agencies. He has one de- of the mad men himself. One of the mad men yes. himself. He's designed ads that you and I have seen okay. that everybody has seen. Okay. I mean, primetime Monday night football, national TV campaigns that were his brain children, right? TD bank, planet fitness, uh, party city, um, all these things, the Heineken, yeah. like, big primetime ads that he wrote, directed, produced. And somehow I managed to recruit him to my little agency in Greenville, South Carolina. And that was a big win for us. Right. And he really revolutionized how we approached advertising. He was like his creativity was just orders of magnitude better than anything I'd ever experienced. But, but I'm not here to tell you about how I hired him. I'm here to tell you about how I hired the next guy that worked for him. Okay. Got it. All right. So so he's your creative director. He's my creative director. He's yes. in charge of the creative. And we needed a new designer. 
And so back then I was kind of immature as a leader and I was the one signing the checks. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I hold thought, on, hold on back then, Tim, how long ago is this? Not that long ago, four or five years ago. Okay. Back right. then four or five well, there's years a lot of ago. growth. Apparently this man has had. I hope that we, so. Okay. So in four or five years at that point, I felt like I have to make all the hiring decisions okay. because I'm the one that's going to sign their paychecks and like I'm responsible and I just didn't trust anybody else to do the hiring. And, it, and in retrospect, it sounds so arrogant of me and so naive and immature, but that's, that's what I thought at the time. So I wrote up a job description for this graphic designer right. and I did have the, the presence of mind to talk to this creative director first. Cause the guy's going to report to him, right? Okay. This guy I'm going to hire. So really he should have been doing the hiring, but I wasn't that smart. So at least I met with him and I said, Hey, let's talk about this. Make sure that I understand who you want, what kind of person you want. So I come in with my plan, okay. but I asked him, Hey, what are you thinking about this? Well, like the true professional he was, he was a mile ahead of me. He had a job description ready. He had a job post ready to go. Okay. And he presented this to me and it like blew me over it. I was, so like, it was, it was bad. It was good. It was different. <laughs> it was different. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was genius or if it was awful. Oh, okay. Right. But it was different. It was different. Very different. <laughs> okay. okay. So right. I actually pulled up this job description to read to okay. you today because yes. so mine goes something like this, you know, um, my agency is uh, seeking, you know, whatever the name of the agency was seeking a talented graphic designer, willing to do this kind of work, um, work with a great team and a great culture and a great you know, and I, I had Which some sounds in there. Which sounds a lot like traditional. Yeah, what anyone traditional. would write. Anybody would write it's that. It's not differentiating your agency per se. Yeah. I mean, I taught, I tried to talk about it being a great okay, culture okay. and I had a little differentiation right, in there, but it was, right. it was pretty plain vanilla. Okay. Okay. Here's what this guy writes. All right. He's an ad guy. And we're trying to hire a graphic designer, all uppercase in quotes, all, all, all caps. I've got the brains, you've got the looks. So let's make lots of money. Close quote. If you don't know that song from the pet shop boys, then man, you were born at the wrong time for the purposes of this gig. The I've part of that lyric is the ECD executive creator. That's this guy, right? Okay. Got the it. director and the you've is you, the perspective designer and the looks are your amazing design skills spelled with a Z. And then he even puts in parentheses. Yep. Design with a Z. Yo. If when you open up an award annual, you're right. These are in industry annuals, yes. like magazines with all these awards yes, or these right, designs. Right. Mm-hmm. If you look that, you open that up and you're like, I can do that. I just need the ideas with a Z. Then you're exactly who we're looking for. We're small, like a dozen people small. We're in Greenville, South Carolina. And if that means nothing to you, just know that the people who live here are extremely excited about that fact. Us included. The ECD director has worked all over the world. He takes big swings. You'll be reporting directly to him and bringing his ideas to life. Ideas with a Z. Uh, bringing his ideas to life because, as you know, a great idea is a bad idea with bad design. So we need someone like you to avoid that scenario. We don't care if you've been doing this 20, two years or 25. Skills are skills with a Z. For more information, visit such and such. And I was like, man, that sounds kind of unprofessional. It's got like grammatical mistakes. Yeah, how did you handle the meeting? Mistakes. Yeah. I'm wondering. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. What'd you tell but, him when you saw well, it? Or what'd this, you do about it? This is not this guy's first trip around the block. Yeah. Right? It's not his first rodeo. Or not. <clears throat> so I thought, all right, the way to solve this is to do an AB test. So I posted my job description right. and I, and he posted his and we said, we're, well, let's learn from this. Right. Well, you can probably guess he, <laughs> he, he destroyed me. Okay. Not only did he get more candidates, but he got way better candidates mm. who were engaged and like fighting to get a job with us. Yeah. Like they wanted to work for this guy. Now, 
first of all, a couple disclaimers. This was a designer, a creative. I'm not saying if you're trying to hire an accountant, you should use this approach. Sure. Right. But the point is that this he, guy knew what he was going for. Yep. Yeah. But the point that that is applicable to all of us is he treated this like a sales opportunity. He was actually trying to sell and market and advertise to this. He wasn't just making a transaction. He wasn't just saying, Hey, here's this job, take it or leave it. You can come, you know, come in. He was actually compelling people to come interview for this job and even to fight for it. And I'm telling you the the quality and quantity of, of candidate we got from this just destroyed mine. And so ever since then, I don't necessarily use Z in my spelling and right, do all that, right. but ever since then, I've tried <laughs> to write job descriptions that are actually sales pitches. They're compelling, mm -hmm. that stand out, and it has made all the difference. So, Love it. So that was another evolution in how I recruited. Mm-hmm. Love to hear it. That is amazing. So what I am realizing this, I am in a desperate situation, honestly, with needing another body in yep. the office right now. So I got someone to say, hey, I'm a body and I'm interested. And this person kind of knows me because just yesterday I put out an Instagram story that mm -hmm. says I needed someone in the uh, social media environment, but yep. I did it in a way of personal desperation and I'm getting behind right now, yep. kind of the way you were pitching yep. what you yeah. needed. I need an employee. And I, I, need wasn't, I mean, didn't sell, I did not sell the opportunity to somebody. And I really feel that so many of us out there who are listening to this really have a we need to learn how to sell what it is that we do well in our unique culture, in our right, office, right. in our programs, in our um, entrepreneurial pursuits, because there are people who want to line align with what you've got going on. You just need to know how to approach them well, tell your story well, and let them, like you said, in an interview process, tell their story back to you well. You got it. But now we've got a little recruiting, we got a little interview process, but there's other things like retention and leadership and development once they're in the team. So let's talk for a minute about alignment because okay. I think if you have an aligned team, All right. you're probably gonna have more engagement, more recruitment, and definitely more results. You're, you're gonna perform better as a team. So what do I mean by alignment? I mean. In most companies, you have everybody in their own little fiefdom doing what they think is right, right? And, and usually, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, they're good people, they're trying to contribute, but they actually don't even understand how, how everything fits together and where this company is going. I've been, I've been in those jobs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very so you're much doing so. your own little thing and you like keep your head down and you try to do good stuff, but you can't really contribute to the overall goals of the company because you don't even know what they are. Right. Right. I remember I used to give uh, in my uh, performance reviews with my team, I would ask them all these questions. And part of it was this little self-assessment and they'd rate like zero to five, you know, strongly disagree or strongly agree on five or 10 things. You know, I'm part of a productive work team. Uh, I understand what my daily tasks are and what my expectations are. And um, I'm satisfied with the, the role as it's currently defined and those kinds of things. And I would always get five, five, maybe a four here, five, five, five. And then it'd be like this two mm. and then five, five, five. And there was always this outlier and it was always the same thing. And it made it, me well, so mad I need to know. Yeah, it was, it made you mad. It made me mad that people were always so low on that. Okay. Yeah. It was like, um, I forget how it was worded. It was, I understand where the company is going and what part I play in it or something about, it was like vision. And I'd be so mad. I mean, I didn't express right, this to right, my right. employees, but inside I was mad because I'm like, guys, I talk about vision all the time. I'm like 
marinating in vision and where we're going, why don't you get it? Mm. And after like two years of this with like every single employee being, (laughs) I'm like, okay, okay, apparently the problem is with me. Yeah. Right. And I, I figured out that what was really clear in my head was not as clear in their head. All right. Fast forward a few years. I think I may have mentioned this to you in an earlier podcast. I just recently, a few weeks ago, got done with like a, a vision casting session with a company that I lead and we had about 20 people in the room and it was rank and file employees. Like the whole company was there. And we talked about like, so the question was let's, let's fast forward 18 months. If we all get back together and we're reflecting on what's happened, what has to have happened for you to feel really happy with your success, right? The Dan Sullivan question, yeah, used that before, I know that but I asked the whole it. company that, right? Okay. and I asked them to tell me specifically in several, I, what about our product has to be true? What about our reputation has to be true? What about our market share has to be true? What, and I gave them specific categories. And then they all wrote down their answers and then they went around the room and gave me- Okay, so they wrote them down and you're gonna read them. Wrote them down and, and, them. and then okay. it was, awesome how everybody knew this is what we want for our reputation. This is what we want for our product. This is what we want for our customer service. This is what we want for our sales. This is what we want for our market share. This is what we want for our, it was amazing. This whole company from the, the junior level person that, you know, takes phone calls to the senior executives. It was like so aligned and it was the first time I've ever experienced, I've been working on that for a long time, but I experienced the fruit of that. Well, let me tell you how we do it. Right. Every single Friday we meet and we review a short list of KPIs. At the beginning of the year, my leadership team got together, the senior leaders in this company, and we identified a very short list of strategic objectives. We said, we want this and this, and these are gonna be our focuses, foci, for this whole company. Mm -hmm. And then we identified KPIs. How are we gonna measure if we're succeeding on these objectives? Right, okay. These are qualitative measures. So for example, one of them was um, response time. When a customer makes an inquiry of us, we can measure all this with tools. How long does it take us to resolve their issue? right, time to resolution, and we set a benchmark on that. Another one was the average number of issues per client at any given time, take the total number of issues, divide by the total number of active clients, and how many issues do we have? And and net promoter score is another one. How happy are our customers? How willing are they to refer us to uh, to their friend or colleague? The point, we had a very short list, I think it was five total, and we published that across the whole company. And every week we update the whole team on the progress on each of those five. Okay, right. Everybody knows where the company is going. They know our vision, our mission, our, our values, how we're going to act along the way. And they know specifically this year by December 31st with some intermediate goals along the way, right. like their stepping yeah. stones, what we're trying to do. And let me tell you, from the top of the company all the way to the bottom, everybody is thinking about, okay, if I do this today, it's gonna to contribute to this KPI. I better do that and not this other thing right. that, that yeah. actually isn't as important. Which is gonna, I mean, move everybody so much faster. You're explaining what we've all heard who listen and like business topics like this and entrepreneurial and growth topics of NASA in the 60s. Yep. The janitor knew yeah. that he's putting a man on the moon, yeah. right? It, it, uh, that's what I'm hearing here because everyone seemed to 
understand the mission, the goal, the date, the deadline, and all those things. And they were happy to be a part of that. So there's this nuclear submarine commander that gives a great, I think it's a TED talk, and maybe I can put the link in the show notes. Right. Uh, I can't remember his name. I didn't plan to tell this story, but he w he'd trained for like two years to take over this nuclear submarine. And if you're the commander in the, the Navy, you have to know every inch of wiring, of tubing, of plumbing, of how this whole thing works, every system, because if you get a torpedo to this side and you've got to shut it off, how can I re, you've got to know all that sure, stuff. Right. So you spend two years training. Okay. okay. So this guy had spent two years, he's going to take over command, like three months before he takes over command, a different sub commander resigns unexpectedly. And the Navy says, guess what? You're going over here. Totally different sub, mm -hmm. different systems. So with like two months notice, he gets on board this and takes over command of this sub. And, and he's like, guys, we got a problem. I'm supposed to tell you everything to do. And in, in, in the Navy, right, in the military, you know that commander gives the yes, order, right. it gets repeated, gets repeated down yes, the line, right. and like everything is micromanaged. Right, right. He says, guys, we got a problem. I don't know anything about this submarine. Right. I trained two years for this other submarine. And that's so, not what I need to hear from my commanding officer right. as we submerge. Yeah, right. Like, Am I about to drown or what? Right. And so he says, we, we decided that I'm not going to give the orders that they're going to, um, and they're not going to ask for permission. There's this whole list of what okay. the Navy said. You have Remember. to ask permission to submerge. You have to ask permission to connect to shore power. You have to ask permission. He says, you're not going to ask permission. You're going to come to me and say, sir, I intend to submerge or whatever it is. Okay. I intend and to submerge. I intend to submerge. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm going to ask you a few questions like, um, are all men below deck? Are, has shore power been disconnected? I'm going to go through this checklist and you're going to say, yes, yes, yes. And then I'm going to say, submerge. Okay. Okay. And he says, over time, those guys didn't have to wait for the question. They said, sir, I intend to submerge the ship. All men are below deck. Shore power has been disconnected, blah, 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 okay, blah. Okay, okay, okay. And he says, aye, and they submerge. <laughs> okay, right, love it. Well, a, a year later, they get inspected, right? And the Navy sends out their top inspector or whatever. They get the highest marks ever of any submarine in the history of the Navy. Really? Even though this guy didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> he says, how could this be? Right. He says, well, here's the difference. On a normal submarine, you've got one guy making all the decisions and 180 people yeah, carrying so he's out. He's the only one who knows what's happening. He's the guy that's yeah. thinking all these guys are just doing, doing. what they're told. Uh -huh. On his submarine, you got 186 people or however many people are on his crew that are thinking and doing and making decisions. And, and he says, you just can't, there's no way that one guy can be as effective as 186 thinkers, right? So I think in a company, if you say, this is our mission, this is where we're going, and these are the kinds of things I want you to think about, are all men below decks, are like, yeah, yeah. then you make the decisions and we're gonna go much farther, faster, better than if I'm making all the decisions. So when you're recruiting, you, you sell people, you hire for responsibility, not just for skills, right? And then you set the vision and you say, all right, this is where we're going. And by the way, this year, I got five things I care about. Response time, um, net promoter score, average number of issues per client, wh whatever you're, you're, you might have a completely different set of right, metrics, of but a short, not 15, not 10, probably three or four. Yep. In my case, I did five. And then you report on that and you're all, and then your leadership team, is like each one owns their own KPIs. So you've got a senior leadership team that every week you meet in your leads meeting 
and they're like, okay, this is what I'm doing this week to influence this strategic objective. And this next person says, well, I'm working on this and I need your help on this. And you're, you're aggressively and purposefully, intentionally, single-mindedly focused on these objectives, man, you just go so much farther, so much faster. And everybody's engaged to the point where like, I don't have a lot of flight risks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you never know. I could get back to the office this afternoon and find out somebody's resigning. Of but course, but of I course. don't expect that because it's exciting to be part of a team that's all progressing and we're making progress. And every week we've got not every week good news. Sometimes we get a setback, but the but the trend line is like we're accomplishing something. We're going places and everybody knows their part. And that's pretty cool. So Love it. alignment is engendered by kind of having common goals that are communicated, not just among the elites, but to the whole team. And you report on that progress and you're all working together in the pursuit of these common goals. And that's a fun place to work. Love it. Love it. Well, I'm trying to work wherever that is, or maybe I'm going into the (laughs) Navy after that one. You got me kind of pumped up with that one. Okay. So there are any other pieces of growing a team that we, we might have to go to a part two. I I was just thinking the same thing because I thought that we were going to exhaust this material and we're like halfway through and we're, I don't know, 30 or 40 minutes in. So, all right. So ladies and gentlemen, you know what you have to do. Start thinking about your team and thinking about the environments and culture that you want to communicate to them so they can be thinkers and doers holding that responsibility. We'll come back very soon with episode part two of Growing Your Team as we grow with Tim. And we'll talk to you soon. Like and subscribe. In the meantime, if you haven't been to Grow With Tim, check out our Instagram, TikTok. Since we last had a podcast, right, two weeks ago, we were we had just cleared a thousand followers. We just started TikTok, right, not all that long ago. And so all organic and we observed, look, a thousand followers isn't that much to some people, but I'm really happy with it. So since our last episode, we've cleared, I think, 13. So that's Mm -hmm. 30% growth in two weeks. That's pretty cool. Love it because now Tim has numbers that he internalized that are big enough to talk about. Because he wouldn't let me talk about them. (laughs) Very good. So So we're making progress. If you haven't already liked, followed, subscribed, check out our other platforms at Grow With Tim. We'll see you back here in two weeks for more about growing your team.